This is the news for the week commencing 10th of July 2023. Shortlist reports that tech recruiter Finite Group now has a new managing director with Tracy Thompson departing the business she founded 25 years ago. Finite Group was acquired by Randstad last year and Thompson and her brother Duncan Thompson have now left following the completion of their earnout periods. The new group MD is Sean Duffy who has been with the company for 12 years. Duffy told Shortlist the next few months will be business as usual for himself and the group. I plan to steer the group for further success, albeit under close partnership with the global Randstad business, he said. Duffy notes that day-to-day the business hasn't changed under Randstad's ownership. It has acted independently while receiving Randstad's support and he expects that to continue. The Fair Work Ombudsman has secured a $106,000 court penalty against labour hire company NQ Powertrain Proprietary Limited after it underpaid 87 visa holders working on farms in far north Queensland, a total of $49,933 between December 2018 and May 2020. The labour hire company made deductions from the workers' wages for accommodation and transport costs that exceeded the maximum lawfully allowable and also underpaid their entitlements under the country's Horticultural Award 2010, specifically their Sunday overtime rates, time off in lieu entitlements and minimum engagement pay. NQ Powertrain employed the workers under the then Pacific Labor Scheme and Seasonal Worker Programs and supplied them on an on-hire basis to farms at locations near Cairns. Individual underpayments ranged from $17 to $2,041. NQ Powertrain rectified the underpayments in full after the Fair Work Ombudsman investigated. The company ceased trading in 2022. In a separate announcement, the Australian Border Force said it will visit more than 200 workplaces to detect, disrupt and deter migrant worker exploitation. The inspections will incorporate Operation Inglenook, a 2022 program that targets criminals who exploit temporary visa holders, which has so far identified over 175 people suspected of exploiting the temporary visa program. TCS, one of India's leading IT firms, has been thrown into turmoil as a bribery scandal involving senior personnel has come to light. According to Wyon, certain individuals within the company's resource management group, RMG, have been accepting bribes from staffing firms to secure jobs for their candidates over an extended period. Following a whistleblower complaint, an internal investigation concluded with TCS placing its head of recruitment on leave, terminating four officials in the RMG division and imposing a ban on three staffing firms. One of the accused has been barred from entering the office and another from the RMG division has been dismissed. It is estimated that those involved in the scandal may have accumulated commissions totaling at least $14 million US dollars over the last three years. TCS has added an average of 50,000 employees annually in recent years, including contractors, and currently has over 600,000 employees. The extent of the irregularities is yet to be determined, but the impact could be significant considering the sheer scale of TCS's recruitment efforts. Robert Walters reported group net fee income fell by 10% in constant currency for the second quarter ended 30 June 2023. Robert Walters said global market uncertainty continued to impact both candidate and client confidence. The group also cited tough comparatives against a record second quarter in 2022. Asia-Pacific net fee income was down 8% to £43.8 million, 
with Robert Walters Australia recording a 17% decline compared to the June quarter last year. The most competitive job market in the world, according to LinkedIn, has been revealed. With an average of nearly 400 applicants for every job ad after a week of posting, the city of Doha in Qatar emerged as the most competitive job market in the world. The list was compiled by Resume.io after analysing LinkedIn data, revealing the average number of job applicants that an ad gets within a week of being posted. Sitting right at the top of that list is Doha, where job advertisements receive an average of 399 applications within a week of being posted on LinkedIn. Resume.io attributed this to the recent FIFA World Cup held in Qatar last year, which helped the local economy and industries there. No doubt job hunters in Qatar are attracted by the prospect of earning one of the highest average salaries in the world, which won't be taxed under Qatar law either, Resume.io said in a blog post. Coming in second is Dubai, where an average of 283 applicants flocked to a job ad within a week of being posted. The US labour market in June showed conflicting jobs data, with payroll processing firm ADP reporting that private sector jobs surged by 497,000 for the month, the biggest monthly rise since July 2022. Yet the official Department of Labor data, released the following day, showed non-farm employment grew by only 209,000 jobs in June, below the consensus estimate of 240,000, making June the slowest month for job creation since December 2020. The unemployment rate declined by 0.1 of a percentage point to 3.6%. Wage data was slightly stronger than expected. Average hourly earnings increased by 0.4% for the month and 4.4% from a year ago, and the average work week also increased up 0.1 of an hour to 34.4 hours, both signs of a strong underlying labour market. Employees who identify as members of the LGBT plus community want to be out at work, but many don't feel comfortable enough to do it, according to a Deloitte Global survey of over 5,000 respondents. While a large majority of respondents attached a high level of importance to being able to freely express their sexual orientation or gender identity in the workplace, only 42% of respondents feel comfortable about being out about their sexual orientation at work, the Deloitte Global 2023 LGBT plus inclusion at work report said. The report found that the level of comfort at coming out increases with seniority, with slightly more than half of those in leadership most comfortable in expressing their sexual orientation or gender identity. The top three reasons employees nominated for not being comfortable about being out about their sexual orientation are, I would be worried I would be treated differently, said 39%. 37% said I prefer not to talk about any aspect of my private life at work. And 32% said I worry I would face discrimination or harassment. Question of the week. Question of the week this week is slightly different. It's uh, a question we're going to ask each other. And the question is, what is the favourite culture that you've worked in and why? So Adele, why don't you start? Yeah, I'm thinking back actually to one of the earlier recruitment agencies I worked in that comes to mind. Um it was when I was when I was younger, and it was a very kind of fast and energetic sort of environment. Okay, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. 
So where, like, name the company, please. <laughs> do I have to? Of course you do. Come on. <laughs> All right. It was actually Candle IT Candle. recruitment. One of the very early, yeah, early um, roles that I worked in. IT recruitment was in my early days, and um, and I was very young, and so that was, you know, showing my age, I suppose, because Candle's not around anymore, and it's in that in its brand that form. But many of you will remember, and yeah, it stands out as being memorable to me. As I said, it was it was just a really fast, energetic environment. Uh, it was tough. It was really tough in there. It was a learning curve every day. It moved really fast. The expectations were really high. And, you know, I always kind of likened it a bit to the kind of Wolf of Wall Street kind of environment. But, you know, as a young new recruiter, it really excited me. It really made me want to jump out of bed every day and get in there and, and push myself and see what I could achieve. That was really one that when I think about workplace culture probably helped me grow the most, actually. Um, as an individual. So it really stands out. And for newer listeners, the candle business morphed into Clarius. Yes. Which morphed into Ignite. That's right. (laughs) Which is a long way away from that culture that you describe, Adele, given their recent performance. But anyway, let's not go there. What about you, Russ? Tell us about uh, your most memorable cultural environment. Uh, Well, pretty easy for me. It was recruitment solutions. And similar to you, I was relatively young. I joined recruitment solutions when I was 24 and a half. I was recruited by Greg Savage and Greg's now wife, Bronwyn. And I love that culture and the things that I loved about it. First and foremost, it was a meritocracy and high performance was rewarded and mediocre performance was performance managed and if the person did not improve they were out so it was very fair in my view there were no favorites and there was no lack of clarity and i love that about about that environment and in fact when that company went downhill after greg left one of the reasons was, in my view, that it stopped being a meritocracy and favourites started to be played. But let's not go there. All right, second thing, which is really to do with that, I think, was that it was an exciting time in the industry. Mm. I was there between 91 and 98, and certainly the time that I'm referring to specifically was uh, the early to mid-90s. So, say, 92 to 95, 96, the market was really growing and expanding and hard work was being rewarded and i i just really enjoyed the growth aspect of the business and i'm sure anyone listening to this when they think about experiences and anyone who's been around a long time they've had experiences in a high growth business versus a low growth business almost always it's better and more exciting to be in a high growth business and that business was definitely a high growth business at that point um, next i'd say there was no gossip I mean, not to say we didn't have a bit of a chat after work or over a drink or whatever, but it wasn't a gossipy environment. People were very focused on external communication, um, very much focused on external customers, so candidates and clients. And so it was not a very political environment. Again, every work environment has some degree of politics, but I would have 
assessed it as a very low politics environment. Uh, everyone was very focused externally and I really enjoyed that. And I think the other thing which I'd imagine is pretty common amongst strong cultures is I felt an alignment with my colleagues. I felt that the people who I work with were people like me. They had similar values and you know, certainly some of them I was much closer to than others and I'd socialise with out of work. But um, by and large, I just felt like I liked pretty much everyone in the company. Like I'd be struggling to think of someone that I really didn't like and mm. that's not an environment that I'd had previously or subsequently. And so do you think those factors, I mean, both of ours, we both reference, you know, some older examples there. So, you know, 10, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, are they still relevant today? What do you think some of the current factors? Hmm, that, that is a good question. Well, I'd imagine all of those things are still relevant, but I did see an article the other day and it said the three most significant factors around culture that fly under the radar were accommodation or buildings, as they described it, calendars and messaging. And I really had to stop. That's interesting. And, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I did have to stop and think about, hmm, buildings, calendars, messaging. So I suspect what they mean by buildings is, and probably easiest to use an example, is the campus-like nature of the big tech companies. Not that I've ever been to a big tech company to visit mm -hmm. any of their premises, but you look at Google and the big campus-like nature that they have in uh, Mountain View in Silicon Valley. Mm. And that's designed very specifically to create an almost non-work environment, that it's almost like an extension of student life. And absolutely, um, without doubt, that that has an impact. I mean, just when I think back and how different it was in my day, and I assume your day, Adil, that in each of the work environments that I was in, there was never a breakout space. Like, mm. yes, there was a kitchen, <laughs> but there was never a there was never a space at work to sit and have lunch. And in fact, it got slightly ridiculous because in the business support team at one point, there were some vacant desks and people would take their lunch and sit in the business support team, which would annoy the business support team <laughs> because all the smells of hot lunches would be lingering <laughs> around the business support team, which understandably they got a bit annoyed by. Mm. So yeah, certainly buildings, calendars, which I suppose means can you access everyone's calendar? How um, how accepted is it to not have anything in your calendar compared to other cultures where whatever you're planning to do or whatever you're doing or have done, it's got to be in the calendar to signify what you've been up to. So sort of like a management tool in that sense with calendars. Yes. Yeah, an absolutely. monitoring tool. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Mon yeah, performance monitoring tool. And I can imagine absolutely that is going to impact on culture. And then the final one is messaging, which again, I'm speculating, but I'd imagine when messages need to be sent out 
are people going to talk to one another or do the leaders have a stand-up or do they record a video and circulate it? Um, is there email etiquette? Are you trained in how to use email to communicate internally and externally? Mm. For example, I don't know, BCC, that's a classic, <laughs> like how to appropriately use BCC. Um, yeah, so I don't know, that, I'm just kind of speculating on each of those, but I can certainly see how each of those would impact culture and how they would be things that people don't necessarily think about straight away when it comes to culture. Yeah, totally agree. Really interesting set of points there. So yeah, we'd love to hear perhaps from some of the people who are listening. What do you think are those important factors that build a culture or indeed uh, destroy one too? That's a wrap. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Google, Apple, Spotify, or on our website.